What's up, everybody? Welcome to another Latin Explaining show. My name is Denise Gonzalez. For those who do not know me, for those who do, welcome back, guys. I'm so glad that you guys are here. I see that Jose and Melanie Knight are already starting the chat. Welcome, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, like I said, this is not my usual time, um, but you guys know that I like to um, also cover breaking news or developing stories. So <clears throat> I'm sorry, definitely. Uh, this is something that even though it happened a few weeks ago, um, just now this past week, we actually um, became aware of the situation. And actually, you know, I wanted to speak about it when it came to my attention but I didn't have enough information. So I felt like it was completely irresponsible for me to actually um, talk about this without the proper information. Like I said, um, it's a developing story. Uh, there's a lot of things that we still do not know. Um, you know, there are a few things that, you know, we have uncovered. This is a story that, like I said, is still developing. So don't come for me if uh, there's not like not all the information is here um if anything develops later on i will definitely share it on monday stream guys but um i needed to share with you guys uh you know what's going on so definitely uh you know I will start today's stream uh, by, like I said, welcoming everybody and like, thank you for tuning in. Uh, the issue that, you know, the story that started developing, um, you know, in this whole, uh, you know, social media space, which basically brought to light the story that I'm gonna share with you guys today is the story of two young Puerto Rican, um, teenagers that have been placed under arrest in Cancun, Playa del Carmen in Mexico, um, allegedly because of a sexual assault in a hotel bar. Um, I'm gonna share with you guys uh, the pictures of um, the kids that were actually uh, apprehended in a second, guys. Um, bear with me, like I said, this is still, uh, developing news. So, of course, you know, it's going to be um, a little rocky. You guys know how it is. Um, so, I see that Jose um, <laughs> sent me a, a catch-up donation. Thank you, Jose, for the donation. Uh, what's up, Johnny Mills? Thank you for being here. 
Uh, like I said, thank you guys. I know, like I said, this is an initial time, but let's get the, the whole thing started, okay? Um, basically, I shared, um, I believe it was yesterday or the day, yeah, yesterday. Um, I shared basically that um, there were two Puerto Rican teenagers awaiting for their hearing in Mexico for charges pressed against them for alleged sexual assault while in vacation in Playa del Carmen with their parents. Initially, they were charged with the R word. Then shortly um, after those charges were dropped when law enforcement evaluated the victim and she didn't present any signs of sexual assault, at least in a physical way, to which she eventually explained that she allegedly was touched um inappropriately by both of them um and of course i was gonna share the thoughts today uh these two uh young males are 18 and 19 years old um they went on a vacation with their parents you know and uh they were at the hotel bar and whatnot and what happened was that unfortunately there was a girl over there that um allegedly said you know um you know one of the of the young boys this is the story according to the dad and what they have provided also with law enforcement to law enforcement and it says um in a radio interview when the dad was talking about he said that basically uh sunday night and early uh monday morning uh, while their kids were at a sports bar in um, of the Barcelo Hotel in Cancun, where they were staying, uh, they were at the bar and this girl approached them simply because one of the kids looked like El Guayna, which is an urban, Puerto Rican urban music uh, performer. So, you know, she started flirting with them and whatnot, allegedly. We don't know if this is true because we don't have any evidence. It's just like a he said, she said type of situation. Um, so definitely when they were approached by this girl, you know, she basically just told them, hey, let's just go to, to your hotel room and whatnot. So the kids uh, went with her. And eventually, you know, after just having fun and whatnot, she she claims that she just came out of the hotel running and you know because she was yelling that she was assaulted by both of you know um assaulted by these two girls now uh the father of the children and also some people from law enforcement in a newspaper um basically said that the minor, okay, in Mexico, this girl is not a minor. She's a minor for like our laws. So of course her name has not been disclosed in the United States or in Puerto Rico, but it has been disclosed in Mexico. So uh, definitely she said that, you know, she ran out of the hotel and whatnot and, you know, called law enforcement and said that, you know, she was assaulted by these two kids. Now, the father points out that when they um and also a newspaper points out that when they review the footage from the hotel security cameras um you know the footage does not coincide with her version so on top of that uh initially she 
uh, said that she experienced sexual assault, but when she was later evaluated that same day, there were no signs of sexual assault. And then she recounted her initial statement and just stated that they touched her inappropriately and she did not consent for that. So these kids have been placed under arrest awaiting trial. <clears throat> and, you know, it's been a while since they've been there. And unfortunately, you know, their parents from a vacation that they planned allegedly against, uh, you know, according to what the father said, they've been saving two years to actually go have this adventure in Mexico. And unfortunately, this is how they had to spend their money, you know, after the whole situation. Now, the the father of these two um, kids says that unfortunately, he was appointed, um, you know, to actually get a lawyer from a list that the state of Mexico gave them, like the, the, the Cancun state gave them. And, you know, they decided to go with like a private attorney. Um, so definitely, you know, um, he said, in his opinion, he said that um, they were going to be asked for money and he knew that this was all about money and that he believes in his children's version, that they're not right now in a good physical state, uh, given the fact that, you know, they look skinny and beaten up and whatnot. So, of course, they're not having a good time uh, in a prison in Mexico right now. And to be honest with you, I took my time to actually read a lot about this whole situation. Uh, and I'm not taking away from her, from the victim. Uh, like I said, this is all alleged. I'm gonna just insert my opinion, of course, but to be honest with you, okay, facts. There's no signs of sexual assault, facts. The footage of the hotel does not add up with her story that she just stormed out running because she was scared for her safety and that they held her captive there like assaulting her facts um you know she recanted her story now she went from you know they assaulted me physically to actually said that you know they actually just touched her inappropriately um so this screams uh like something we have seen before and i'm pretty sure like if there's any of my uh mexican viewers watching you guys are very familiar with um how corrupt the police in mexico is come on and even the the government there's a reason why so many mexicans leave mexico it's corrupt as hell and it doesn't work for the people so i started researching a lot like if this is a trend that happens and it turns out that this is something uh you know that happens to a lot of tourists when they go to Mexico, unfortunately. And I came across uh, something that it's called in Mexico, la mordida or the bite, which is a practice that apparently happens in Mexico. Because at first I was like, I don't think that that necessarily, you know, it's, it's telling the truth, given the fact that, you know, of course, he's going to side with his children and whatnot. But then I started looking into his version. I was like, you know what? It kind of makes a little bit of sense. You know, let's not forget that this is the same police force that killed Aaron Bithorn. You know, we have had many cases of 
a lot of people, even the Mexican people, going through some bullshit with their own police and their government simply because they don't have the, the proper connections. Now, I'm going to explain to you guys what this is about. And by any means, this is not me uh, trying to diss on Mexico. If anything, you guys know, I'm just trying to keep it real. Uh, but if you are uh, interested in traveling over there, and you're a tourist or you're a citizen from another country, you have to be very aware of the way of the land and you have to be very aware of this trend so that you don't fall victim or trap into it. And that's why I intend to share this. So if you're trying to go to Mexico, uh, be aware that this is something that happens and try to, you know, never be by yourself and always have a business, I mean, a witness to back you up. So I'm going to read to you guys basically what this whole mordida situation is. In Mexico, mordida is a term widely used to refer to a bribe. The word literally translates as bite from Spanish. While the origins of this secondary use of the word are contested, probably the most recurrent explanation given by Mexicans is that it alludes to police officers and other public officials being seen as dogs on the lookout for an innocent citizen to take a bite out of. It is significant that several studies have found that mordida is the one practice consistently identified by Mexicans as an unambiguous expression of corruption, whereas in spite of an increasing awareness of the impact of corruption, average citizens appear to struggle to come up with a more abstract definition of the concept. So basically what they're saying to you is that the police force in Mexico, according to what Mexicans are explaining to tourists as well, is that they're in the lookout for innocent people simply to just get extra money on the side and basically just you know get some bribes out of the people and if this is not corruption then i don't know what it is um I'm going to read a little bit further so you guys can get like a little bit more insight. It says, however, some authors, for example, Coronado in 2008, have suggested a subtle difference in meaning between the two terms, while soborno, which is bribe, is presumed to be a serious crime involving large amounts of money, Mordida refers to commodity uh, commonly occurring pretty corrupt, petty corruption transactions, and is associated with what Covarrubias Gonzalez refers to as the folklore of corruption, pervading Mexican popular culture. In this latter connotation, mordida may be understood as one of many practices from the toolkit of informal strategies that Mexicans often employ in order to deal with a state that is perceived as undemocratic and abusive. Other examples of such informal strategies used in Mexico include the use of palancas, levers. This is something that I want you guys to understand. Uh, you know, this is what the Mexican people are explaining to other people that are coming into Mexico. So you guys can know how things move over there. And this is something that actually gave me the chills, especially the whole... Uh, palanca, which is levers. It refers to the use of personal connections to insiders or influential actors in order to obtain preferential treatment. Coyotes, persons who are paid to do others' administrative transactions frequently through use of personal contacts inside of the organization and giving gifts. 
There are several reasons why the mordida is a pervasive practice in Mexico. Firstly, the mordida is widely viewed as necessary because of the perception that Mexican laws and regulations are so difficult to comply with that people feel that they're left with no choice but to find an arrangement through extra legal means. Now, before I continue, like I said, by any means, I'm not trying to diss on the Mexican people. They are not a fault of what their nasty government and the police force does, because let's not forget, they also do it to the Mexican people. They know they just not doing uh, do it to us. They also do it to them in different ways, of course, but it's always about the money. I see that Maceo is here. Welcome, Maceo. And he says that in, in the Dominican Republic, they used to call what we're calling the mordida in Mexico, mojar la mano, basically just wetting the hand. So definitely, you know, this is a practice that we're seeing uh, more and more in Latin America, unfortunately. And I'm going to also now that you brought that up, Marcel, it is true because in the Dominican Republic, when you go to do uh, legal or governmental transactions, just like in Mexico, it's often like going through so many loopholes, especially if you don't know the way of the land or you're not like Dominican native and whatnot. It's so difficult to actually deal with the law in uh, the Dominican Republic as well. And a lot of people get scammed. Uh, now, uh, continuing this, I'm going to explain how this affects also Mexican citizens. It says, furthermore, excessive red tape is often exploited by unscrupulous bureaucrats who arbitrarily come up with endless requirements to complete an administrative process. For instance, it is not uncommon for people seeking everyday public services like renewing a driver's license, obtaining a birth certificate. Uh, regularizing a land title, applying for a construction permit, etc., to be asked to present documents never mentioned before or listed anywhere, or to be sent through an endless succession of queues. Alternatively, as Coronado narrates, the public official can also play upon the possibility that the applicant's documents may get quote unquote lost on the procedure. Uh, and the other procedure could be quote unquote delayed. It is not uncommon to ask for a quote unquote tip after the paperwork has been su submitted. Um, basically, you know, whatever you would like to give for the judge's cooperation, quote unquote, <laughs> right? The overall effect of these patterns is to create a sense of unpredictability unpredictability when citizens engage with state officials. Not surprisingly, in some cases, citizens resort to a mordida or a bite as a preemptive action just to avoid time-consuming procedures. Basically, it's extortion, okay? The people of Mexico and everybody that visits are exposed at some point if you do the wrong thing or even doing the right thing. Um, or if you need something from the government, you are going to be exposed to any or every type of extortion because everybody wants to squeeze money out of you. It started to sound a lot like other places that I shall not name, but <laughs> you guys, if you know, you know. It says, besides being linked to excessive and costly bureaucratic procedures, the mordida can also take the form of an outright coercive act. Perhaps the most common example of this involves law enforcement officers threatening severe consequences from sometimes even minor traffic violations 
or other misdemeanors. The mordida is then often offered out of fear of the consequences that will befall the individual should he or she fail to quote unquote appease the officer. In such cases, the act of bribing arises from the perception that law enforcement offers can and do commit abuses of power within impu with impunity. As La Rose and Madan recount in the aftermath of the Mexican Revolution of 1910, the victors pursued strategies to centralize power, which led to the development of a police force with great autonomy and little oversight. Well, this is exactly what creates, uh, you know, this problem is the fact that we're giving a lot of power to the police force without any supervision, without any uh, impunity. They have like, it's worse than the qualified immunity that we have here, because if they're stopping you in a simple traffic spot, you know, uh, you probably were uh, driving over the limit of the speed limit and whatnot. They will, they can easily beat you up or throw you in jail without any explanation. There's no civil rights in Mexico, uh, basically, according to what, you know, I have researched. So a lot of people, you know, actually get entangled with this because they have an abusive government so like i said by any means i'm not trying to diss on the mexican people if anything i'm trying to shed a light on what you guys also go through and just making sure that future tourists beware or be aware of this situation and to be honest with you it's something that like i said we've seen before it's it's super abusive and out of hand um, now I will continue to, to read this, but definitely, uh, we've seen even how the police force of Cancun, which is one of the most abusive ones, just killed a Salvadorian woman kneeling on her. Do you guys remember that? I remember when, uh, radical Latinos spoke about that. So, you know, they killed her in the middle of the street. They did not, you know, wanted to, uh, have any accountability for their actions simply because the police is the law and they if you want them to comply with you then you have to throw money at them so basically you know that's that's how they run things and nobody can say anything to them because like uh even the article says you know they have a lot of power given by the government now the article continues saying, thus the commonly held view that the police are a tool of political oppression rather than law enforcement professionals is a factor contributing to the willingness of citizens to settle legal issues informally through a mordida rather than having to face the criminal justice process. Therefore, as Del Castillo and Guerrero suggest, the bribe is often rationalized by citizens as a means to buy security. There are specific rituals associated with giving a mordida, which most Mexicans are familiar with, and which determine how the process of bribing is negotiated. For instance, to preamble to negotiating the mordida comes at the point where the public officer has made it clear that the citizen's situation is serious, and it often involves phrases such as, is there no other way, or how can we reach an arrangement, at which point usually an amount is mentioned. Not infrequently, some negotiation is involved before agreeing on the price of the bribe. This is an interesting moment because it often opens up an informal space between the citizen and the public officer, thus the process of negotiating the amount 
of the bribe can involve both parties appealing to each other on the basis of the hardships each must face in their personal lives. For example, criminologist and blogger Christina Johns has written about a strategy she and her husband devised to lower the amount of the mordida while traveling around Mexico. She will pretend not to speak Spanish and when her husband translated for her, quote unquote, what the police officer wanted, she will hysterically start screaming, no, no, no. In her analysis, this strategy consistently worked because police officers will empathize with the husband who apparently had to contend with a difficult gringa, a foreign woman. <laughs> In spite of the fact that bribing is known to be widespread, the language used during the actual transaction is often careful and respectful, and one does not make any direct reference to the act of bribing or call it by its name. There is a common understanding that the transaction needs to be discreet. For example, when bribing a traffic officer, the money is often hidden inside the traffic rule book before it is handed over. The amount paid for mordidas seem to be related to either the value of the prospective fine in the case of traffic violations and other misdemeanors or to whether the service can be obtained elsewhere in the case of bureaucratic processes. Further mordidas to evade sanctions typically involve higher amounts than those meant to simply speed up a process. According to data reported by Transparencia Mexicana or Mexican Transparency, the average cost of a mordida in 2010 was about 165 Mexican pesos, about $12 in uh, American dollars. Bailey and Paris in 2006 estimated an annual aggregated cost to the economy for mordidas of over $1 billion in 2001. At the national level, and, and let me stop here before I continue. If every mordida, okay, if any mordida, every mordida is an average of $12 and they made a billion dollars, how many times do you think this police force is abusing its citizens and the tourists to make 1 billion US dollars? Come on now. This is extremely common. And it says at the national level, there's uh, several instruments that qualify the prevalence of the mordida in Mexico. One example is the Indice de Corrupción, the Corruption uh, Index, and a good government published by Transparencia Mexicana, or Mexican Transparency, which ranks 35 public services according to the frequency of households reporting to have used a mordida to obtain a service. Another available data source is the Latin America Public Opinion Project. La pop, <laughs> la pop, <laughs> that's funny. It conducts surveys every other year, including questions on the prevalence of mordidas given to police officers and other public officers. The results are published, uh, the results are published and the results are in a searchable database. So basically these are all the references and something funny. I don't know if you guys can see like the purple ones. Those were the ones that I, I pressed when I actually started researching more about this. And let me tell you something. Most of these places when they send me is like a Japanese weird ass page you know, with no data, but eventually I did found data on this and it's something that it does happen. So definitely, like I said, uh, guys, uh, I see that music only said that Salvadorian woman, I think was running a prostitution ring. Yeah. You know, what's crazy. Even if she was, she 
people that are guilty also deserve to be arrested. They don't have to die. You know, guilty people should not, or criminals don't have to die either. You know, it's it's very notorious, especially a woman. Like two men, there were two men. Okay, you're telling me that you can absolutely do one lady? Come on now. Come on now. So definitely, guys, you know, I don't want to say, uh, state the obvious, but, you know, you guys know, like, I like to keep it real. Uh, I've watched many documentaries on how this police force actually works. Recently, I just watched, finished watching uh, the Agenda documentary. I don't know if you guys know what happened in Agenda in 2011, but didn't we just saw how the police threw in jail an innocent kid simply because they want to supply the pipelines uh, for the cartel labor? We saw that on Netflix, on the documentary, when people were you know, sharing their stories so that they could reach mainstream media after that, the, the Agenda massacre. Now, um, I'm not surprised that this has happened, in my personal opinion. Uh, I'm not surprised that the girl's changing up her the tune after she was confronted and the parents continued to push. Because I think, I think she probably thought, in my opinion, that those uh, kids were by themselves, so she could take advantage of them. Now, yesterday. Uh, there was a, a press, uh, the press release that, you know, uh, these two kids will be released uh, after a month after they finish the investigation. So they have one more, uh, you know, month to go. Uh, but definitely, you know, this has been going on since June 28, I believe. So basically, you know, a judge actually uh, decided that, you know, they evaluated, quote unquote, evaluated the elements of the proof or the burden of proof uh, that was against these kids and their possible or probable participation and the crime, and he basically stated that these kids will be released in a month, or at least state one more month while they analyze uh, their status. Now, one thing I would say, this is screaming uh, the mordida for me simply because I get it, you know, the laws in other places are completely different, but a preliminary hearing should not take so many months, especially after you have been placed under arrest. I'm not saying that they have to abide by the same laws, but, you know, we can smell some bullshit. If you can smell some bullshit, put a number one in the chat, you know, because you arrested these kids in June 28, then... You know, you have the parents, uh, you hand them a list of the lawyers that they needed to hire. Then they hire one that they decided was the best option. Uh, after that, then you drop the charges uh, of sexual assault. After that, the video doesn't, uh, you know, go align with 
what the girl was saying. So now they had to drop those charges. And now the judge, almost two months after the fact, is going to decide if they should stay in prison or just be freed. In my opinion, like I said, these uh, screams uh, and smells like some bullshit. Okay, it's it's look, uh, you guys. A lot of you guys have put a number one, so I'm not the only one seeing through the bullshit here. Like I said, I'm not trying to come for victims of actual sexual assault. There are some victims out there of sexual assault by nasty people. Now, when that happens, usually the proof, literally. It's on the victim side. If there is no way, you know, <laughs> music only is like, believe all. <laughs> Maceo says, uh, well, you know what? Uh, the Department of State is intervening, but to be honest with you, um, if it escalates to that, I, I don't know what can happen. You know, because like I said, we have seen how this, the police force in Mexico have even murdered Puerto Ricans in many instances. It doesn't matter your socioeconomic status. Look at what happened, like I said before, to Aaron Bithorn, our famous baseball player. You know, they killed him. You know, so at the end of the day, you know, <sighs> guys, this is something that I will keep a close eye in. And I know I don't believe uh, necessarily in the concept of God, but if you do, um, I will ask you for your prayers. You know, if there's any way we can contribute to help this family fight this, I will share it here. I'm going to look deeper into it. So far, they have not uh, asked for anything, but to be honest with you, uh, I, I do not know what to think. Uh, I like to believe victims but when victims don't have any evidence of this you know events or assaults or you know it makes us difficult it makes it difficult for us to believe them especially when they get evaluated there's no proof of sexual assault so and also when the videos because because everybody can lie she can be lying they can be lying you know, but one thing that doesn't lie is videos. And if you have security camera footage and it doesn't align with her version, then it starts to all fall apart. And then when they evaluate her, like I said before, when they evaluate her, there's no signs of sexual assault. Then what the hell are we talking about? You know, to me, this is a shakedown. But like I said, guys, be aware of where you're landing. Uh, if you don't want to deal with this type of situation, uh, if you're cool with it, just take some extra money, bribe your life out of it, and enjoy Mexico. If you don't feel like bribing people to get your way and just enjoy your vacation, then go to Orlando. Um, now, Jose says false accusations make it harder for the true victims of art. Yeah, definitely. That is that is my problem with this type of situation. You know, when we have people that, you know, falsely accuse, you know, um, other people of this type of assault, especially something so delicate, it makes it so, so, so hard for, you know, 
people to actually believe the real victims to the point where we start looking at everybody and giving them the side eye. So I'm not, like I said, I'm not easily persuaded into this. I'm not, you know, I need to see more. If she wants me or people to believe her, I am sorry. We have to see more evidence. We have to see the truth. And trust me, if she was a victim of these two kids, then they should spend their lives in prison. Make no mistake, okay? I'm not here trying to say that, you know, all men then are innocent. No, there are horrible people out there. And those should be just treated as low lives and just put in the, in the prison system. But if they are innocent, come on now, let's just let them out. Now, let's just keep moving, guys. I just wanted to bring uh, this whole thing, uh, you know, to my channel, to my platform. Let's get the, the discussion popping. Uh, let me know your thoughts about this, you know, and I'll, you know, reply here and there. Uh, there are two things that I want to share before I go. Um, I'm going through the process of restructuring Latin explaining right now. Uh, we're only going to have live streams on Thursdays. So, you know, I'm not going to have uh, other panelists join me on my breaking news or on Mondays simply because I want to shorten the videos a little bit. And also, I just want to focus on sharing the information. We can later on on the Thursdays um, live stream share them. And also, we can have more live streams on No Bullshit. But I want to keep Latin explaining more as an informative tool so that you can have access to information and, you know, we can discuss it on Thursdays. So, guys, today we're not going to have a live stream on this. Like I said, if you have any thoughts, you can share in the comment section or on the chat and I will, you know, reply to you guys here. Now, I want to move from this horrid story and just keep it moving because I have two more things I want to share with you guys that are um, extremely great, extremely great. And I'm going to start now. That's right. Uh, let's touch on some sports, you know, something to uplift us. And I want to say that, Lord, guys, look at this, okay? I want to give a huge shout out to my Dominican viewers, all the people that, you know, watch me from the Dominican diaspora or from the Dominican Republic. You know, I wanted gold for Dominicans, but I'm satisfied <laughs> with bronze, okay? Uh, in my personal opinion, uh, baseball is a sport where Dominicans are notorious to dominate in every way. Uh, even us Puerto Ricans, we're great at it. But to be honest with you, Dominicans are even better. Proof of that is that every time we play, it's so unpredictable. But a lot of Puerto Ricans even cheer for Dominicans because you guys have uh, Dominicans have won so many times uh, while playing against us. So, you know, 
I'm surprised they want fucking bronze and not gold. But, you know, like I said, I'm not going to fight it. You know, it is what it is. It's still a celebration. They're still number three in the fucking world, baby. Okay. So congratulations to the Dominican Republic and their Olympic team. You know, like I said, this has been crazy Olympics. I know that this players and these athletes are also dealing with the C-19, the craziness and whatnot. So I just wanted to give them a huge shout out on, you know, winning the bronze medal in this Olympics. Um, I don't know if you guys have been watching. I have not been watching, to be honest with you. I only watch uh, Jasmine when she ran. Uh, I refuse to support the Olympics after all this stuff and the racism that they have done and all the crazy stuff they have been doing in, in Japan, especially regulating sex uh, for the athletes, which is not their place. So, like I said, I have not been watching, but every Latino that wins, I will, you know, post them here and whatnot. I'm deeply saddened that the United States won the soccer uh bout against Mexico. Uh, I was expecting Mexico to win. You know, it's something that was extremely sad to see, but it is what it is. You know, I'm going to, you know, sum it up as uh, <laughs> C-19 just, you know, changing the mindsets of certain people and, you know, having this whole situation, uh, you know, this whole, I would say, sportsmanship affected so we're let's just gather everything together the same thing happened to rafa quintero he lost he did not qualify after qualifying for the semi-final he did not qualify for the finals but he said he's going to be prepping for 2024 in france so definitely you know we will see a very interesting Olympics in 2024. Hopefully the world is back to normal over there when we will see these people participate in our favorite athletes participate. So guys, stay tuned for uh, our next segment, which is going to be even better. Music, 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 music. <laughs> Guys, this week has been music packed for all Latinos. I cannot share the audio, guys. I can share only the visuals. And even with that, I can't get this stream um, demonetized or uh, in the future, you know, because I'm not monetized. So obviously, you know, but I'm still going to share it with you guys because it's just hilarious. Um, the Trap Puerto Rican artist Anuel Doblea basically just released uh, his new single two days ago called Los de Siempre. And he states, I don't know if you guys are big followers of uh, urban music uh, in Latin America, but he basically says that he only respects Teo Calderon. Uh, and he says, this motherfucker ended up snitching after he said he was a bandolero. In case you guys have not uh, followed, right, the whole urban music in movement in Puerto Rico and the Caribbean and whatnot, 
Uh, there was a song that was very famous between Teo Calderon and the king of reggaeton, Don Omar, where he was basically stating in the song that he was a bad boy and still going to continue with his weapons and smoking marijuana uh, because, you know, he was detained at some point in Puerto Rico by police for um, having possession of marijuana and some guns in his vehicle. So basically there was a news, there was some news that he was, that were made very public when he was uh, telling somebody that I'm not going to disclose here, but he was telling somebody that he was gonna snitch, you know, like I, if you need anything, I will talk, blah, 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 blah. So basically Anuel Doblea, you guys know that he came out of prison three years ago he was just, uh, you know, released from his probation, and he came out with this two days ago, and he started just telling on people. Also, let's not forget that it was Don Omar that last year accused uh, Rafi Pina, notorious uh, urban music producer, about you know being a snitch, being a rat, and, you know, snitching on a lot of people to avoid doing time in federal prison. So uh, at that point, Rafi Pina requested, like, hey, if you have any proof or anybody has proof that I snitch on anybody, produce it and I'll give you a million dollars. Nobody could produce that proof because, indeed, apparently he did not snitch, or if he did, he hid it very well. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Uh, Maceo, who do you think is the Shota? Do you think it's uh, Don Omar or Pina? You know, in my opinion, everybody snitches, okay? All these people that, you know, claim that they don't, they freaking do, you know, especially, you know, they they are they were dragging uh Takashi 69. And don't get me wrong, don't come for me. I don't like Takashi, I don't listen to his music. Uh I give him his view. Every time he puts out music, I watch the video, even though sometimes it's disgusting and he embarrasses me as a Latina because he's a fellow Latino and we have to support our people. But other than that, don't ask me for his lyrics. I do not, I do not know them. I don't know his music. I know he has rainbow hair and whatnot. But other than that, you know, I don't really know too much about him. Um, but to be honest with you, everybody was dragging him through the mud when in reality, everybody in this urban movement, you know, is literally uh, a snitch. Maceo says, Anwin is just looking for clout. Well, to be honest with you, Maceo, this is my take and I've said it many times. When you have uh, the previous generation of reggaeton before this one that we had, we had a bad guy and a good guy. And in this one, we have a good guy and a, and a bad guy. Uh, the previous one, we had a golden child as Daddy Yankee, you know, and we had uh, the bad dude, the bad guy, the demon child, Don Omar. Everybody loved Don Omar even more uh, because of his lyrics. Now, now the the story is repeating itself. Uh, Anuel has way better lyrics than Bad Bunny, but Bad Bunny is the golden child because he doesn't do anything wrong. He has not been in prison. He's not involved in criminal life and whatnot. So we have the same thing. And let's not forget also that when Anuel AA first came out with Sola, 
uh, I think it was in 2015, something like that, 2016, I believe. Don Omar made some nasty expressions about Anuel AA without Anuel saying anything about him when he said uh, that if his girl dated a dude that listened to Anuel AA, he would shoot the dude because he does not support trash music. So, you know, I believe that Anuel could not respond to him after that because he got arrested and then he was in his probation period. But now it's like all bets are off. Nobody's watching him. It's not, he doesn't have an uh, ankle bracelet and whatnot. Now, Maceo says, Bad Bunny used to be uh, basically a grocery store bagger. He wasn't a street guy. No, he wasn't. Bad Bunny was a good guy. You know, he was just like a good kid that really wanted to get into the urban move, movement. And he actually had a good path. He was not doing anything shady. Uh, I see that Jose said, I am sorry, but there are some Latinos I cannot support. <laughs> I don't support Latinos who put us in a negative light. Well, you know what? I, I support everybody as long as they're not disrespectful. Uh, and like overall just gross, you know, but like I said, I give Takashi his view. You know, I I may the same thing goes for Cardi B. I think Cardi B, I don't I respect her hustle. And for that, every time she puts out music, I make sure I watch the video in support of her. But I do not like her music at all. And I don't feel represented simply because she's not feminine to me. Uh she doesn't represent women and she's just vulgar. And I at least that doesn't align with the type of person I am. Uh, so of course, you know, do not ask me for certain things, but at least with Cardi B, uh, I feel like certain songs are kind of catchy, you know, like the one that she did with um, uh, Jennifer Lopez, the one that she did with Bad Bunny and stuff like that. Even WAP, I mean, I get it. It was talking about people's kitty and whatnot, but to be, honest with you like i said i don't support um craziness and i don't you're never gonna see me on the street or in my home uh playing or blasting cardi b i can guarantee you that uh that's something you'll never see nor takashi 69 so <laughs> i hope that that responds to the question but definitely, guys, you know, this whole thing, we don't know still if, you know, he is actually uh, replying to, uh, you know, to Don Omar, if he's actually looking like Marcel said for clout. We don't know what's going on. We don't even know if he's talking about Don Omar. That's what I guess, simply because Don Omar was one of the people that actually, you know, uh, did bandoleras with Tego. And not only that, let's not forget that Anuel Doble after that did a live on his Instagram saying, without actually saying, just like kind of whispering Don Omar. So basically people are coming for Don Omar in all types of ways. And actually uh, even Pina uh, came for Don Omar. So of course, guys, you know, this is getting super hot in the music sector and before we go i know i shared this before but not on latin explaining i know the last time that i talked about this uh you guys did not know what was going on but let me tell you something but i don't know if this is simply because 
you know, Aventura just got back together uh, or because Bad Bunny is not used to the, the bachata reggaeton fusion and whatnot. But to me, this is a filler song. You know, it's still good, but it's like a filler song. It's not necessarily like a, like a big hit. It's not going to be like Sapphire. It's not going to be like Jonah Guni. It's not going to be like Por Siempre. It's not going to be like that. Okay. So like I said, it's not, hmm, it's, it's not that great. I see that Robert Lee uh, talking about Cardi B. She makes Dominicans look bad. Robert Lee, what's the T with, okay, what makes Cardi B uh, paint Dominicans in a bad light exactly? You know, because I get it, you know, she she's kind of like, you know, uh, vulgar and whatnot, but that's just her. Like, that doesn't, in my opinion, of course, but like, I'm not Dominican, so I wouldn't know. But like, in your opinion, how does Cardi B makes you guys like look bad? Because I've seen that a lot of Dominicans actually don't like Cardi B and the way that she presents herself. So, you know, I wanted to ask a Dominican that question. Um Maceo says, I wasn't impressed. I wasn't impressed either. I expected so much more from Aventura and from Bad Bunny. To be honest with you, like I said, this whole new single is like a filler to me. Okay. So definitely, you know, it's just, it's just crazy that, you know, we waited for this. We were excited for this and we were not, like Maceo said, we were not impressed. So guys, you know, before I leave, uh, if you want to jump backstage, we can have a conversation um, after the show ends. You guys know I like to have like an after party. I'm going to post the link, but I'm not going to let nobody in. It's just going to be uh, backstage. So after the after show, the after party. So if you want to join the after party, I'm still going to be doing those uh, for the people that are my usual panelists and whatnot. So if you want to join the after party, you can jump on. Uh, but definitely, guys, like uh, Maceo said, I never like Aventura, though, and I don't like Romeo Santos. Maceo, come on now. How come? Okay, why you don't like Aventura, Maceo? We have to have a deep conversation, and I get it. Okay, to me, the king of bachata was, is, and forever will be Juan Luis Guerra. I get that. Okay. Unfortunately, <laughs> Romeo Santos, you know, has become a staple, you know, and Aventura was the thing that took uh, Bachata outside of just the Latino, Caribbean Latino mainstream. Uh, Ramon says regarding Cardi B, do Dominicans even claim her? That's something that I have, like I said, I have asked Dominicans to tell me more about Cardi B, but I have not gotten like an answer. Like somebody, somebody that's okay. I need some Dominicans here to answer our questions. <laughs> so definitely guys, uh, let, let us know. Uh, what's going on with Cardi B? Maceo said, Juan Luis Guerra bought bachata to the mainstream, but the best bachatero I ever heard is Luis Vargas. Man, he's, he's good, but I don't necessarily like it. I prefer more El Torito or Monchi Alexandra, even though it's now Monchi and Alejandra. 
I don't remember the name of the other chick. I know Monchi and Alexandra was my jam, okay? And then after that was El Torito. And Aventura, of course, we all grew up with Aventura and Juan Luis Guerra and whatnot. Uh, so, of course, those were standard. But I have, I, I'm, Luis Vargas sometimes, I don't know, I can relate to his bachata sometimes. So, definitely, um, I see that. Uh, okay, Bin Loco says, Anthony Santos es el Majim. <laughs> Oh my God, we need to talk about, we have some bachateros in the house. Do you guys, uh, let me ask you something before I leave. Do you guys remember El Torito? You guys like El Torito? Or, or it was just people outside the Dominican Republic that like El Torito? Because I love El Torito. No, but seriously, um, Ramon says, I like Frank Reyes. Hmm. Like I said, those are two, I don't know. It's not my cup of tea when it comes to bachata. I, before Frank Reyes, I'd rather um, listen to Luis Vargas. But that's your liking. You're entitled to like what you like. Uh, Marcel said he was okay. Yeah, it, it's, you can listen to him, but yeah. Like I said, to me, it's Juan Luis Guerra, El Torito, Monchi Alexandra, Ventura, Romeo Santos, and whatnot. That's like kind of my my thing. Um, so DJ Ben Loco says, El Torito es de los clásicos, pero es famoso más de equipo, Los Toros Band. Um, now, Maceo says, Luis Vargas sang about some real shit. Yeah, he was, he was more into like, deep narratives or like deep lyrics and whatnot but it's just not my cup of tea it's just not my thing so of course you know i don't know it, it's not it's not the type of bachata i like and to be honest with you that was one of the first things that i learned how to dance uh it was bachata because you guys know i grew up a seven-day adventist so of course we're not taught how to dance as little kids uh, I learned at age 14, thanks to many Dominicans that taught me bachata. So, of course, my first, you know, um, my first love when it comes to Latin music is bachata and then reggaeton. So, yeah, like I said, it's, it's Luis Vargas and Frank Reyes. They're okay, but I don't necessarily love them. Uh, now, guys. It has been a pleasure to be with you here. Like I said, I'm going to come back tomorrow to discuss a topic and another special episode that I'm going to have at the same hour. Make sure you tune in at 10 a.m. Uh, 10 a.m. Uh, Pacific time, 1 p.m. Eastern time. But tomorrow we're going to discuss if Puerto Rico should become a state and when this is going to be happening. So definitely, if you want to know about this, if you want to actually, uh, you know, discuss this with me tomorrow, I will have definitely, uh, I will allow, please, if, let's keep it a little bit more into the Puerto Rican people. So if you're a Puerto Rican or Dominican or Puerto Rican or whatnot, uh, make sure you tune in and also contribute to the topic. Uh, and I'm going to have a special live tomorrow regarding that topic. So definitely tune in 
uh, tomorrow at the same time. Like I said, it has been a pleasure. I will see you guys tomorrow. I will see you guys also Monday. Thank you very much for allowing me in your homes and devices. This has been another episode of Latin Explaining with Denise, all about business and finances. Thank you very much. Peace. Ooh.